Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm so glad that uh, Monday's here and we've got uh, another week ahead of us. I hope your weekend was good. Hope you got some chance to rest and have some fun. And we're back to the uh, business of uh, our show now, so I'm excited. We're going to start with Patrick Albanese, my friend. Find out what's going on in his world. I think he went to the daddy-daughter dance over the weekend. I can't wait to find out about that. And then I'm going to be joined by Pastor David Miles. That's all coming up in hour one. And hour two is going to be as power packed as hour one. So I can't wait. Let's take a little break and I'll bring on Patrick. Faith Radio continues connecting faith to life for thousands of people on crystal clear, static free FM signals around the upper Midwest and Hartford, Connecticut. It's a wonderful source of daily hope, encouragement and faith building. You can find your faith radio frequency at myfaithradio.com. Look under the About tab and click How to Listen. There, you'll see a complete list of Faith Radio stations. Select your local Faith Radio FM station as a preset and keep growing in your Christian faith every day. Let's face it, in a season of claims, promises, debates, and slick advertising, it's hard to know who's telling the truth. And you might be wondering that about Faith Radio. Is this truth you hear about the real deal? As you listen, we hope you find that the principles from the Word of God are proven over thousands of years, unchanged by trends, with a kingdom led by a king who has never been voted out. And that is something you can build a life on. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I'd unravel... All right, nice to get things started on Monday. I hope your weekend was good, and I hope uh, you're starting off with a great week. Thanks for joining me today. I always love starting my Mondays a little on the light side. I like to call my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, the prestigious city of West Des Moines, Patrick Albanese. Patrick, welcome. Well, I am your official lying dog-faced pony soldier. <laughs> you are. You are. I'm glad you identified yourself a, as such. Is that a term of endearment? I haven't. They, have they fixed that yet? Have they decided that calling somebody a lying dog-faced pony soldier is actually uh, an Older way of saying sweetie. <laughs> I suppose. Sure. I mean, it's a combination uh, from a 1952 film starring Tyrone Power called Pony Soldier and a phrase used to describe an infantry soldier. So Joe Biden, when he made that reference, you know, it was making a very relevant statement in his mind. But that was from 1952. And I suppose they went out for uh, sarsaparilla shortly <laughs> after. <laughs> I don't know. Well, they did steak and kidney pie. Oh, my gosh, there's nothing like it. Better than that shepherd's pie. Ah, right, right. It's funny how you can just put the word pie on something and they think that that makes it... Yeah, they go, well, that's it. Well, that's going to be pretty tasty. That there's shepherd's pie. You go, what's in it? <laughs> uh, ingredients you would never eat, but it's in a pie. <laughs> you would never touch this stuff, but it's in a pie. That's so <laughs> true. 
Well, it was, uh, a, it was an interesting week. I don't really want to talk politics unless we're forced to, and I don't think we're forced to. I would rather no. do something kind of on the uh, on the positive, upbeat side. I know, I think you went to your last daddy-daughter dance this weekend. How about that? Yeah, my daughter is now in fifth grade, and so uh, that's when they, they say that's it. You know, uh, from now on, she can go and be one of the helpers for the other little girls that are there. And you know what? It kind of makes sense because, you know, she was one of the older kids there. There were just a handful of the fifth graders. And you start to see that, yeah, it's kind of for the five and six year old kids. But uh, it was fun. And, uh, you know, in a sense, going in as um, the dad and in the past, you've you've always you do the awkward dances, and you know you're always uh, afraid of getting hurt, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but uh, it, it, being the last one, it's like I go, I'm I'm just gonna thoroughly enjoy myself. I'm I'm throwing myself into this thing, and uh, I mean, it's you know, kind of like I don't know if you remember uh, when John Elway was playing basically his last Super Bowl, his last football game for the Denver Broncos ever, and he's throwing himself around the field like a rag doll, not caring what happens. Cause it's like, Hey, if I get injured, uh, it doesn't matter because I'm done playing. That was me on the dance floor. <laughs> <Friday> <laughs> it was very nice of them to have sort of a, a couple of paramedics standing by. I think that's sort of a regular thing now, you know, where they sort of do triage in the chapel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very nice touch. Mm-hmm. Very nice touch. But, but it was amazingly freeing in, in a way saying, you know, yeah, just go have fun, go dance, and who cares? Nobody's really looking at you. They're all looking at the floor. They're all looking at the floor. Yeah, but I want to say there's a there's a principle in there that we can learn from. This I'm gonna just it's not gonna matter this time. I don't care. I'm just gonna have fun. And why didn't you do that the first or second time through the daddy daughter dance? Or why don't we do that when we're having conversations with people about faith? Why don't we say I'm just gonna go for it? I don't know why we don't. I um, it, it's, it's, I you know, in in the case of this thing, I I think what really kind of overtook me is like this is your last chance, and uh, and maybe we need to have that attitude about talking about people with faith that you say here's an opportunity to talk to somebody, and this may be my last chance to I talk know. to them. This may be the last chance, so maybe I should do it. You know, I don't need to, you know, wait for another opportunity a week or a month from now. I mean, things can happen to people or you get off track and suddenly it just doesn't feel like a ripe opportunity to ever talk to them about it. So that's a great question. Well, there's always the kicking the can down the road principle, which is, you know, I was kind of close to talking to my friend about the Lord, but, you know, I I think we're going to have lunch again in a couple of months, so I'll do it then. And we can always keep putting things off, can't we? We can, but as you know, one of my philosophies in life is to, you got to be careful that you don't kick the can, you know, so far down the road that uh, you never get to the can before you kick the bucket. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And that's the big can you're kicking. And, uh, you know, everybody has stories of uh, not just missed opportunities, but of things that they could have maybe fixed, Uh, somebody they could have made amends with. And then that person died and say, I could have done it and I didn't do it. And I don't know if it's, you know, a positive thing to go through life, always looking for the end and saying, I better take care of things because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. But it's maybe not a bad idea. 
I don't think to, it's a bad idea uh, at, at all. Least look, yeah, look at, you know, it's like, well, you know, I'm given an opportunity to, uh, you try to live your life a certain way and, and hopefully that catches people's a, a, attention uh, if they say, okay, I see that you have uh, this Jesus guy that you uh, happen to follow. Could you tell me more about it? Because I see how he seems to work in your life. I'm mm -hmm. really curious. Yeah. You're not going to miss that golden opportunity, no, are you? No, that's called an evangelistic opportunity. You don't miss that one. No, yeah. but maybe those same opportunities are always there. They're just not verbalized. Absolutely. And we'll talk about that after the break. Patrick Albanese is my guest. We'll take a short break and be right back. Back to the show, Patrick Albanese is my guest from the great state of Iowa. You know him. He's my Monday guest. Get things started at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock Eastern, of course. The home oh. of the what we now call the Iowa carcasses. That's true. It's just been a feeding frenzy, actually. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I want to go back to this whole idea of, of having a sense of urgency where we, we always say that we want to talk to people about God, but... We are willing to put it off till the next time. And, and this whole principle of, you know, your last daddy-daughter daddy dance, that's not that easy to say. It's very difficult to say. That's, uh, we just called it the DD dance. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> uh, that you're just going to just kind of go for it. And I think it's a good reminder uh, for all of us to have that idea in our head that this could be it. We never know when, when our last moment is or our last interaction with anybody. Yeah. Uh, and you also, I think, struggle with re recognizing opportunity. Um, you know, how does that, that one saying that, you know, a lot of people don't recognize when opportunity knocks because it often comes dressed up in overalls and right. disguised as hard work. Yeah, you know, right. That, kind of that uh, uh, I think opportunities to, I, I, one of the things I saw at our daddy-daughter dance that they took a, um, great pains to put up a lot of displays for a lot of the work they're doing with men at the church. And uh, they've really expanded a lot of the programming for men. And I thought, well, this is really brilliant to uh, start appealing to these men saying, hey, you know, there's other things you can do here at the church and we're here for you. And I said, well, there's, you know, taking an opportunity. And I saw that now there's a couple of opportunities per week to go to a Bible study. I thought, well, this is a great way to meet up with like-minded people. And you never know where you're going to catch somebody, at what phase in their life, or what they're going through, that you might be able to be of help. Mm -hmm. And all you got to do is show up. Yeah, right. But there's the opportunity just knocking, saying, well, you would like to be hanging out with more like-minded people. Look at that. Somebody put a flyer out right in front of you that says... <laughs> Three days a week, we meet with like-minded people. They're just like you. Yeah. Come join us, and we have breakfast. Right. You know, but you talk yeah. about regrets, and I think that's one of the things nobody wants to deal with once they get closer to the end of their life is a list of regrets. 
And I'm always, yeah. I marvel because Jesus, when he went to the cross and his last basic words were, it is finished. Um, and I don't know if any of us are going to have those be our last three words. I mean, his mission was complete. What he came to do, he did. But you mm-hmm. know, there's a good chance we will, on our deathbed, have a whole bunch of unfinished things that we never got done. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's unavoidable at this point. We've probably already accumulated enough of them that you can't fix right. at this point. So all you can do is move forward from this point and say, well, let's not miss those opportunities anymore. Um, you know, I, I was blessed in many ways by becoming a dad at an older age, which I will not divulge. But, uh, you know, I mean, let's just say that when I would pick my kids up from preschool, they'd say, Grandpa, no. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Not grandpa, and then they apologize. I go, oh, it's it's fair. If I, you know, lightened up the hair a little bit, maybe uh, you wouldn't risk take me for grandpa. But I got to do it when I got to do it, and and uh, I would sometimes miss some of these golden opportunities to just engage with my kids. And I I self corrected. I'm grateful to say that I self corrected. And as they're getting, you know, they're just nine and ten now. They're going to be ten and eleven soon. And they can certainly keep themselves busy and occupied. And so, you know, I don't walk in the door anymore and have two kids come running up going, Daddy, nor the dog, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> come to think of it, nobody comes to visit me at the door when I walk in. But I think, well, I had it. And I took advantage of it when I did. And I was blessed by it. So this is one of those phases of life. Now I'm in these other phases of life. And like you say, with with sharing the gospel, you go, I need to keep my ears open to things that people say. And I'm not going to force my religion on anybody, but I need to listen. I need to listen to what people are going through. Mm -hmm. And and, and hopefully that means that I get to that end of my life moment in a hundred years or whatever it's going to be. And I have fewer of those regrets. It's my hope anyway. Yeah. And I I think a good test uh, is if you can answer these two questions, what is the last thing that the Holy Spirit brought to life or made new in your spirit as a result of reading God's Word? You came across a piece of Scripture and and your your heart just exploded with joy or with uh, a new sense of understanding. Um, So name that and then name the last time uh, you had a chance to share your faith and present the gospel to someone. And if you can't say yes to both of those things, there might be, there might be some delay in, in, your, in your growth. I'm not putting you on the spot, but I'm saying um, if, if you can't share those two things, um, yeah. There might be some work to do is what you're saying. There might be some work to do, yeah. yeah. If when have, is this assignment due, by the way? <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's due in 10 minutes, but... Uh, it, it's a great, it's a great reminder. If you say, well, I can't remember the last time I shared the gospel one-on-one with somebody. If you have no idea when it happened, uh, there's probably work to do. First question is, is a very in-depth question disguised as a simple question. I agree. That's in-depth. That's, uh, you go, I mean, revealed. Oh my, wait a second. Well, That's, you know, uh, revealed is maybe not the right word. Maybe it's just, um, a, a little discovery or surprise. I mean, I'm I'm reading, I'm doing my year through the Bible, uh, which I don't do every year, but I'm doing it this year, and I'm all fired up about this verse I saw. It's like I had, I don't remember reading that. I just love that verse. Uh, oh, so it's like yeah. I'm all excited. It's like how did I miss that? 
So I love the magic Bible where you say, you know, somebody, somebody snuck something in here. Right. That's, yeah. While I was asleep, somebody put something in here because that was not, I'm telling you, that was not there before. I've read that 50 times and I've never seen that. And then all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, look at this. This is so amazing. I think that's the way the Holy Spirit, you know, keeps revealing things to you through God's word. You know, I think so too. I, I think it's a uh, 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 particularly, uh, I can't find the right word for it. Uh, it's, it's surprising the number of times you come across it, I guess, is, is what I was going to say that you thinking, wow, this is so in depth. Well, um, sometimes for me, what helps is that when you get that Bible study, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, in Sun Valley. He did the book on the prodigal son and a whole video series on it, John um, MacArthur. Okay. And just coincidentally, out of the blue, yeah, right. know, I, was, I would go to different churches a lot when I was living in Los Angeles. And I said, I'm going to go to this church. And, you know, I start showing up right as he's doing the prodigal son series, which became the DVDs and the books and the whole thing. I had no idea that that was the eventual goal of it. But it was week after week of, are you kidding me? Are What? That's what that means? Mm-hmm. The, the, the depth to uh, the language used in the Bible is always such an eye-opener for me because you casually read a sentence and you go, oh, look at that. The, the king ran across the courtyard. Well, you know, I didn't know kings did the running thing, but that's great. And then you find out later everything it means and down to the, you know, the fact that his ankles were showing and you say, well, wait, wait, uh huh, what, 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 all this has meaning. It's so deep that you say, I can't possibly get through all of this. There's mm-hmm. so every word is important. Every word, including the and uh, <laughs> you know, they're super important. So I think that's what I, one of the things I love about some of those discoveries is like, wow, that was right there. Yeah. Um, I'm with yeah. you. I love it. Yeah. Well, as I'm watching some of the discussion on the Democratic stage and you hear that they want basically uh, a lot of taxpayers to give up more of their tax money uh, for free college and free health insurance and the Green New Deal and, and more bureaucracy. I think that makes the average American go, that doesn't sound like a great idea to me. And when they talk about eliminating uh, college debt, you're not eliminating it, you're just shifting it, aren't you, to someone else to have them pay for it? Yeah. yeah I, you're, somebody's going to eventually pay for it. And, uh, uh, but it's really easy to see why people would want the free stuff. Free stuff is very tempting. That's a great word. Like, it's a great word. Yeah. We all understand it. Satan promised free stuff. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's like it's like. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's you know, vote for me and all your wildest dreams will come true. <laughs> That's the <laughs> the the essence of the political campaigns for, from now on. It's it's a you know they're going to fix stuff that you didn't even know we were having trouble with. Mm-hmm. Which as I, I was like, why goodness they're going to fix racism in this country somehow or another. Um. Some, I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to fix it. But They I, can fix anything. You know, but you you and I as Christians, we want to do everything possible to be uh, careful of how we use resources on this planet and how we take care of, be good stewards of the earth, all of that. Yeah. And then there's other people who care about it more than we do, and they decide they're going to um, have a 370-foot eco-friendly super yacht built using only liquid hydrogen. <laughs> 
and Bill <laughs> Gates is doing that, and it only costs six hundred and forty-five million. So it is there is some advantages. Yeah, and at six hundred and forty-five million dollars. Uh huh. Yeah, it's a space for fourteen guests, a gym, a yoga studio, a massage parlor, and a cascading pool on the rear deck. So I mean, it's a nice oh. one. It's a pretty nice one. I got to be honest. Let's see, fourteen. Well, that works. What does that work out to? About forty million per guest. That's not a bad deal. When you break <laughs> it down into the to the nitty gritty numbers, it's actually very affordable. Yeah, and the and the liquid nitri- hydrogen, I should say, is stored in two tanks on the ship, of course, and it, they're stored at four hundred and twenty three degrees below zero. I mean, what what uh-huh. possibly could go wrong at sea? <laughs> well, out of curiosity. If it's powered by the, what is it, liquid? Hydrogen. It's not helium. So no. They don't all have squeaky voices while they're running around. Do they? <laughs> but so liquid hydrogen that has, to, well, how do you keep it at that temperature? Doesn't that require energy? Um, you're going with all these tough questions now. So it, what do they have, like uh, an oil reserve tank that <laughs> burns fossil fuels to keep the liquid hydrogen? Yeah, that's a really good question because the emissions are all just water. It's it's the first hydrogen-fueled superyacht, and the only admit, emission it has is water. But I mean, you're, you have a good question. A good question: of How would you keep these hydrogen hydrogen tanks cooled? Wow! Now, if they add more water to the ocean, won't that rise the sea levels a little bit? Is I, that is that the real source of all the sea sea level going up? Is all the cruise ships that are sitting in the ocean? Very likely. Sitting there, they just displaced all the water, and uh, it's like, well, look what happened. It's like, yeah. well, that's too many Royal Caribbeans out there. Um, wow, that's, uh, you know, it's his money, and he can spend it however he wishes. And I wish he would invite me on this boat. I'd <laughs> love to see it. And if you get invited plus one, I get to go with you. I, I could, you know, what I would, I'd make arrangements. Okay. Yeah. I know you'd, you, your wife would be very upset, but it would be fun for us to be on this ship together. I could say, I, honey, I thought you didn't like the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> right. The funny thing is, it, it's me who doesn't like the ocean. Yeah. Patrick, I thank, do not like the boats. Thanks, yeah. for, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Always fun to chat with you on Mondays. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Have a great day. Patrick Albanese has been my guest. We'll take a little break and we'll be right back with Pastor David Miles. Peaches come from Georgia and lobsters come from Maine. Sweet fields of Nebraska And Kansas gets bonanzas from the grain Old whiskey comes from old Kentucky Ain't the country lucky New Jersey gives us glue And you, you come from Rhode Island And little old Rhode Island Is famous for you from Louisiana, gophers from Montana, and spuds from Idaho. They plow land in the cow land of Missouri, where most beef meant for roast beef seems to grow. Grand Canyons come from Colorado, gold comes from Nevada, divorces also do. 6.30 on Faith Radio.
Pastor David Miles is in studio. We're calling this Monday Afternoon Mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. But, David, you do it much better than me. Well. Let's use that big booming voice. Booming voice. Welcome to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Oh, i got to put more grit in it. More grit in it? <laughs> Way more grit. Oh, man. It's almost like we should have practiced this. I know. We yeah. should have rehearsed. <laughs> Well, I'll try like it again. You're asking me to be yeah, Bruce I need more, Buffer I need more from, grit. like, Get Ready to Rumble or something. <laughs> you know. Welcome to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Much Good. better. I like it. Much better. But more importantly, with Jesus. Amen. Amen, Amen to that. That's uh, great. We're going to talk about love today because we are in the week of love. This is, uh, I think, thanks. I mean, uh, <laughs> Valentine's Day shows up this week, doesn't it? Thanksgiving. Well, I was going to say we need to give thanks, um, and we have thank we have <laughs> I'm doing it again. We have Valentine's Day coming up this week. Anyway, I want to talk about the love of Jesus. That's what I want to talk about today. Sweet. Well, one of the things that I find <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. This is going so well. It is according to who, but not according to me. Our I, focus group. I I love you, anyways. Thank you. So loving when when we're messy is probably a good starting it point. It is a good start, yeah. And happy Thanksgiving while we're at it. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things about love is that it's a word that gets used often. And, you know, people say things like, I love, you know, Rice Krispies or, you know, I love chocolate or, you know, I love fill in the blank. Yeah. And... um but when the Bible talks about love, it's not really talking about some sort of mushy, gushy, syrupy, sentimental love, uh, kind of the love that toddlers may have, you know, something like love logic of property laws for toddlers, and it goes something like this. It says, if I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. <laughs> if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are, say it with me, mine. mine. If it looks just like mine, it's mine. mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. mine. If you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes <laughs> mine. If it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> And gratefully, that's not the love logic that Jesus has for us, because when we were broken and when we were sinners, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that Christ died for us. And that's love. And the word love is being uh, traded around quite a bit nowadays. We're hearing different versions of love. We're not hearing God's true expression of love, not in the, not in the world. No, I think sometimes lust is more the appropriate word or preference, you know, or I have kind of an affinity to it, but really the sacrificial nature and the the depth of commitment and the decision of commitment of love is often missing. And we often hear too, David, that when it comes to relationships, love is love. So anything goes. Well, you know, I love my uh, now nine-year-old son, but I don't 
love him enough in that way to say, here's the keys, jump in the van and go drive down the street. You know, so um, I'm not sure if you can say that love without some sensible boundaries and parameters is love. And we see that with God. God loves us beyond measure. And yet he's provided loving guidelines and boundaries for our good and for our flourishing. Precisely because he loves us. Precisely because he loves us. Sometimes we think that hearing the word no means that that's, well, you can't love me if you're not going to give me what it is that I really, really want. But again, kind of going back to that logic of the child and the parent, it's because I love you that I have to say no. Yeah. And and sometimes children and adults, we don't like that. So if you're like to, to a child who actually gets grounded, they might not say, they, they're not necessarily feeling like you love them because you put these parameters around them. But Sometimes doing the difficult thing um, is love. So let's talk about what Scripture is uh, talking, referring to love, and what we can learn from God's Word. Well, probably one of the most often cited passages is 1 Corinthians 13, and it begins with, If I speak in the tongues of angels uh, and the tongues of men, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. And so sometimes we don't realize that love or agape love, God's type of love, is so paramount. And when Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples, even knowing that Judas was there, he said, another commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And so that was spoken from the Son of God himself. You're looking at me. <laughs> I'm just looking at you. <laughs> we're trying to have this three-person that's afternoon true. mix. We're working on it. We're working on working it. On yeah, it. We're yeah. working progress. I, one of the things that's always struck me about this passage is that we, again, as human beings, we look at the outside and think, well, if I'm doing all these things, it must be that I love you. It must be, that must be good enough, right? Because I look from all appearances as though I love you, but clearly all of these amazing ministry things can be done, these services can be done without love is right. the implication of, of this. So that's that's a, a bit of a wake-up call. Yeah, it is. And it, it can be scary because sometimes, you know, we can be seeking to build our own kingdoms and not his. And I think, you know, before we started, Bill, you were asking the question about, like, what does it mean to glorify God? Because mm-hmm. we'll say, you know, God, I want you to be glorified. We hear that all the time in prayers. Like, what does that yeah. mean? What does it mean? You go ahead. You're the well, pastor. We were... <laughs> well, again, so you know, just because there's six letters in front of my first name does not mean I have a corner of the Holy Spirit. I get that. So. No, I know. But I you know. like this stuff to say about this. You're, yeah. my, you're my distinguished guest, though. I'd rather have you oh. talk. Well, thank you. Um, you know, the idea of glorify is the desire that God's name and that his purposes and that his kingdom um, would be made famous and made renowned. That at the end of the day, it would be clear that Jesus is the one who's lifted up because ultimately he's the only one who can draw all people. You know, we have 70, 80, 90 years of life, but Jesus is eternal, and we want to point people to that which really matters most. 
Um, Bill, years ago, had an opportunity and privilege just to serve with people on disaster recovery teams going to Katrina down in New Orleans. And uh, some of the local people had noted, you know, in ways the church was more responsive uh, in ways than even local officials and things like that. And I don't, you know, one of the reasons why I think that was the case is that when the church showed up, at least the groups that we were serving with, they would show up and people would you knock on the door and they're like, oh, what are you doing here? Well, we're from Minnesota. What in the world are you doing here? Well, we just want to let you know that Jesus Christ loves you. So you came all the way from Minnesota to do that. And then there'd be teams from Oklahoma and teams from California and teams from Kentucky and all of these people coming in. And the desire was that people would know that Jesus is the one who was doing it. So churches weren't trying to get like, here's my best church PR. Our desire was that ultimately all things pointed to Christ and that Christ would be made famous, that Christ would be made renowned, that he would be given the worship that he was due. And uh, and it was neat to see just lives transformed because of that. Mm -hmm. So, David, would you say that love is the most fundamental characteristic of who God is? I would say that God is pretty amazing and that sometimes we want to get into levels. But yes, love is a fundamental part of who he is, but his love is not separated from his holiness. Mm -hmm. And so like R.C. Sproul would talk about this in this in the book, Holiness of God, that only in one place in Scripture is the superlative third used. You know, that God is holy, holy, holy. And uh, for us as people, when we want to make a point, we would highlight it, we'd underline it. But in Scripture, it would repeat. It, you know, Jesus would say, verily, verily, or amen, or may, amen, or yes, yes. We pray and say amen at the end. Yes, let this be so. But God is holy, and that's not separate from his love. And I think that that's important in a world that sees kind of love as being everything. Um, God is love, but God in his holiness says that this is the love that is most maximized for flourishing and for my glory as the creator of my universe and of all things on heaven and earth. And so love does speak to him. First John 4 says God is love. Mm -hmm. And we love because he first loved us. But I also want us to be careful to not separate his love from his holiness. I love that. And the Bible talks that we're supposed to love others the way God has loved us. So how are we doing in that department? Oof. I mean, is that even, can we even attempt that? We can, or more importantly, we can ask, you know, by his grace and his strength for his glory that he do it through us. So, but if you're asking how we're doing at it um, right now, you know, we can't see everything. And so there probably are countless places here in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area where there are people giving cups of cold water to people in Jesus' name that we don't see. Mm -hmm. But in what we see, you know, portrayed to us in media and other channels, it would say, you know, things aren't doing very well, that we're becoming more tribal and we're becoming more polemic. Mm -hmm. And and there's starting to be a lot of uh, what um, Walter Tribble calls in-group, out-group dynamics, where people really begin to say, you're in my in-group or you're in my out-group. And if you're in my in-group, I'm, like, I'm more in line to show grace and understanding. But if you're in the out-group, 
not so much. And so it's like watching a Vikings-Packers game. You know, a guy can, you know, uh, Kirk Cousins could throw a pass down uh, to Diggs, and the cornerback could, you know, totally maul him. Well, for the Vikings player, they're like, oh, my goodness, that's so horrible. Yes, that's a flag. And for the Packers fan, they're like, oh, he barely touched him. Right. And so right there you have a difference of in-group, out-group dynamics. And so so sometimes that begins to take shape over things. But we have not been called to in-group, out-group dynamics. We've been called to God. Mm-hmm. And that's where we keep coming back to his word to allow his word to be the standard for his word to be the thing that drives us. Yeah, David, let's talk about our love for God. We show that based on our obedience, don't we? Yeah. Um, Jesus said that in John fourteen thirteen. if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You know, period. Pretty simple, isn't it? Yeah. So, because sometimes we're like, well, yeah, I love God, but I really don't want to want to do what he tells me to do. Mm-hmm. So when God is speaking about loving our enemies, you know, we're like, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. And mm-hmm. yet biblically scripture says that we were enemies of God. And by nature, Ephesians 2, 2, that by nature we were children of wrath. But Ephesians 2, 4 says, but God who was rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even while we were dead in our trespasses. And so, you know, God is not calling us to do something that he hasn't already done with us. Yeah. All right. You're listening to Monday Afternoon Mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell without any special vocal effects, 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 effects. We're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. Taking a break because we said a lot of interesting things during the break. <laughs> now we're we back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're back. Well, now what do we talk about? <laughs> well, we could talk about what we talked about on the break, but let's go back to uh, the passage in Corinthians. What love is? Yeah, you know, in verse four, it starts off by saying, "Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful." It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Rebecca, you were saying earlier about something on replacing um, yeah. your name or... Go ahead and... It was it was part of our premarital counseling um, between uh, me and my husband, uh, Matthew, and the exercise was that uh, you can take that list of the qualities of love. And if you can put your your name in there, it's for your own accountability, but also your your fiance's name, your love's name. Can you say he is patient? 
he is kind, he does not envy, he does not boast. And just allowing yourself that test to see what I'm calling love. Is it what the Bible calls love? Is our love stacking up against, and and clearly we're both, you know, flawed, sinful human beings just trying our best to obey Jesus and serve one another together. And that's going to continue forever. But am I patient? Am I kind? Do I not boast? Do I seek myself do I keep a record of wrongs? I mean, that's that's something that's very convicting when I think about it, because I would say I love you every day. We say, love you, love you too, you know, bye, have a nice day at work. But when I say love, am I meaning all of those things? Because that's what I should be. Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the things that we can wrestle with. And you were mentioning earlier about you know, that part about keeping a record of wrong. Yeah, I confessed. It, the mics were off, though. <laughs> I didn't know that. You're busting her, David. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's you something know. I struggle with is that keep love keeps no record of wrongs. That is hard for me to to forget sometimes. And I think it's a wrestle for us, not only with our loved ones, um, but with other people as well, because, you know, keeping a record of wrong. Um, someone once had said, you know, I'll never have to forgive an imperfect and fallen Tammy, my wife, more than a holy and perfect God has forgiven me. And so that's back to love and holiness. And, you know, when we think about it, um, Psalm 130 verse 4 says, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sin, O Lord, who could stand? Well, none of us. But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. And, you know, we... We do. We wrestle with this whole whole idea of loving. And I think that's why we need to come back to God's Word and actually ask that God would transform our thinking as we're being conformed by this world. You know, there, there's, there's something really interesting about the um, Old Testament. Last night had um, a really neat privilege of listening to some stories on immigrants um, at our church, at New Hope Church, and some stories being shared. And what's really interesting, outside of the call to worship only God, the second most imperative command was for Israel uh, to remember that they were slaves and to love the foreigner. And that foreigner is the word Ger, G-E-R, it's mentioned 92 times in the Old Testament alone. And the idea that love of the stranger, um, philozenia, versus xenophobia, which is fear of the stranger. But like Hebrews 13.1 says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, to the foreigner, to immigrants, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And in this heightened time of even that conversation, because people's thoughts and pressures, how much is that really being directed and guided by what God's word says versus what's being directed by what media and other sources are telling us. And that comes not only with this subject, but a number of different areas. What's really filtering? What What is the grid, the biblical grid by which our thoughts are processed through? So, David, in I think it's First John 4, it talks about perfect love drives out fear. Again, I think that's the word agape in that passage. Yeah. So we're pretty much thinking about the the dismissal of the fear of condemnation, right? Isn't that kind of what we see in that verse, that that's one of God's main functions of his love is giving us that assurance? Well, we have that whole issue of fearing condemnation, um, fearing rejection. Um, 
if you remember, we were talking one time about the gospel that um, in Christ we're fully known, fully loved with no fear of rejection. You know, we're fully known because God knows us better than we know ourselves and knowing everything that he knows about ourselves that even we don't know, he fully loves us. And what is our fear? If you get to know me, you won't, what, love me. Mm -hmm. So because we're fully known, fully loved, there's no fear of rejection. And as we talked that one time, that fear is such a powerful emotion. You know, it's one of the first emotions that happens after the fall. God goes walking through the garden. Adam, where are you? I hid myself. Why? Because I was afraid. And in science, they say just noticeable difference. If you touch your, your skin, it registers in 500 milliseconds, but fear is in 14 milliseconds. It's just that quick. And so the, the world, and when I say world or cosmos in the Greek, it's the world system that's against God often uses fear in such a strong way against us, you know, fear of the other. Sometimes it's fear not fitting in. You know, hey, guys, well, if you don't drive a, a BMW, the ultimate vehicle, then you're not an ultimate guy. For those of you who are driving BMW, that's fine. Enjoy your car. But just saying that that's the way that marketing comes at us. It tries mm -hmm. to hit these various fear points, you know. And God says that perfect love casts out fear, that fear has to do with judgment and condemnation. And that fear is often what keeps us from stepping towards one another, stepping towards the unknown. But Christ is in us that gives us strength to step towards those things. So, uh, David and Rebecca, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. How is love singled out as the greatest of those three? Thank you, Mr. Rebecca. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if I, don't have, love, if I don't have faith, I'm in big trouble. Because love never fails. And I think the the earlier discussions in First Corinthians especially, and then in the later writings of Paul as well, talk about the, obviously, faith and hope are amazing things, but love will always abide. Because we have faith in, in the, sub, faith is, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And when that when that uh, veil goes away, when that veil parts, we will be, uh, we will know as we are known. Mm -hmm. And that is the definition of love. That is the eternal love that will all be reunited with, with Christ forever. Mm -hmm. So love is, as God is, eternal and never failing. Yeah. And, you know, picking up on that, Rebecca, you just brought up a really neat point because, you know, when when we're where, you know, my mom, my dad, and my sister and other loved ones are, um, we'll see him for who he is and we'll be truly known. So at that moment, we won't need to have faith because we, we will, will be actualizing faith. Mm -hmm. And we won't have to have hope because we will see hope fulfilled. And so... Um, and that's what it talks about in Romans 8, you know, where it talks about the already not yet. You know, mm -hmm. we're already saved, but we've not yet fully entered into that yet. But that time when we see it, that's why love will remain. And we will, we will glory in how great a love that Christ displayed for his Father's glory on our behalf. And that's so incredibly sweet. So, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, that's really, that's really weighty. And um, because down here in verse 19, 
verse 20, it says, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, and that word hate there is misio. So it's not just real hate, but it's like slight, disdain. The Bible says he's a liar and um, the truth is not in him. And he says, how can you say you love God whom you haven't seen, but not love your brother who you have seen? And so that idea is kind of, it's just an oxymoron to God, you know? And so, um, and the importance of this is seen earlier in First John 3.15, because I remember one person had once told Dr. John Perkins that his grandmother, he says, my grandmother, you know, she believes First Corinthians 15 of the gospel, but she has this one small problem. She hates black people. But I know I'm going to see her in heaven. And Dr. Perkins said, well, you know, First, First John 3 says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So this issue of love, it's it's pretty serious thing to the Lord. Mm-hmm. David, we could go on and on with this one. This is a great a great topic, and thank you so much for uh, Monday afternoon mix. Well, thank you. It's already a big hit, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's a big hit because we really spend our time around God's word. Amen to that. So, and yeah. that's that's the thing that we most want because we love you. As you're listening to this, the most important thing that we want for you is Jesus Christ. And if you are listening and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, God sent his son to die on a cross, to live a life that you could not live, to die a death that you could not die, uh, to give you a gift of life that you don't have. And if you don't know him, would you just, wherever you're at right now, just say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, and thank you for dying on the cross, and I invite you into my life. Pastor David Miles. That wraps up Hour 1. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.